Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Drive Your Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Master Coach Carrie Marshall, and it's time to go after those goals. Yeah, whether ready or not, life's coming hard, no breaks, no stop. And if you put me on the spot, don't get it twisted, I never drop. If you feel a bit out of control and out the box, here's a way that you could drive your thoughts. Turn this podcast on, it's a lock. Carrie Marshall. Welcome to Drive Your Thoughts Coaching. I'm Carrie Marshall, and I honestly don't know if we're going to make it through this episode without giggling the entire time because I have my very best friend here um, for several reasons, but welcome Katie Mortensen to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and yeah, this could be either a monumental moment for you. And you, right? Your first time being on a podcast. Sorry, they're all going to (laughs) leave. Well, I'm really excited to have you here because of who you are and what you do, but also it's really fun to have you because you are my best friend. So I want to introduce you a little bit more formally. So Katie is the owner and fearless leader of the Sewing Nerd, and it is a sewing, what what did you just call it? A sewing workroom? It's kind of morphed into a workroom, like a custom workroom. So tell us a little bit about what that means being a sewing workroom now, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how it started and, Mm -hmm. and where it is now. Yeah. So sewing workroom is basically we take custom orders and we put your things together. So you can either be a designer that we work with, you can be just your own, you have these things that you want made. And what we do is we make custom pillows, custom window seat cushions, bench cushions, banquettes, and custom slip covers. So it's become more of a workroom instead of like an online shop because everything is so custom that, yeah, you can't really just order online anymore. Right. And your work has been featured in, for anybody that is Utah based, it's been featured in the Parade of Homes, several different homes. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember the count of how many homes you've done. I think there was just 10 this year. So 10 just this year on the Parade of Homes uh, featuring your work. You've been featured in celebrity hideaways, (laughs) private jets, (laughs) multi-million dollar homes. And so you have, and then like you said, uh, kind of all over the, the spectrum than just also people that are wanting to have custom pillow designs or things like that have also come to you. So this is true. Husbands either love me or hate me. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> so let's really talk about how this business started, because oftentimes what I hear from my clients or people that come up to me talking about businesses is like they want to have 
a base of like, well, how do I get the education to start a business? So let's talk about how you started your oh, business. This because is probably the best story. Right. I, and it was funny. We were out to lunch the other day and you were talking to somebody about how you started your business. And I was like, hold on, you like skipped an entire section of this. So let's start from the beginning. Which you'll have to probably remind me because you've, you've been along for the ride with me. Uh, let's see. So my youngest is 13. So that would probably be what, 12, 11 years ago, about that time. I'm trying to think. No, I was pregnant with her. So it was like 14 years ago. I was pregnant with my youngest and I wanted to make some things for her. I don't know how to sew at that time. You know, my grandma was an amazing seamstress. She could make anything like she would whip up dresses and she could crochet like the Dickens. But I did not inherit that talent at the beginning. So I remember buying a sewing machine from Target. It was a Euro Shark Pro. I think it was like $65. I got it home pregnant and I had to ask my husband how to thread the bobbin. And he's like, are you kidding me? You don't know how to do that. So that's kind of where it started. He showed me how to do that. And I started making like little pillowcase dresses for, um, car seat covers, nursing covers, which I completely forgot all about until we went out to lunch. So I kind of was toying around with that and really developed this love for creating things. And I'm horrible at following patterns, but I can just come up with things on my own. So what made you want to go from making things for your youngest to then actually selling those things? I don't, you know, it's one of those things. So my mom, she's kind of a, she's a go-getter. She has always been a go-getter from the time I can remember. She started her own wedding business back when I was in elementary school. So they would go, it was called Green Gables. And we would go to churches every Saturday night, Friday night, Saturday night, churches, homes, and set up wedding receptions. That's what she did. And so we we were the free labor that came and helped. And so I think seeing her being such a go-getter is just something that I didn't really realize was inside of me until something sparked. And so I remember making these things. And I'm like, oh, I just love making them and I bet I could sell them. And so of course, that's just kind of how it morphed into, instead of making things for just myself, you know, you want to make more and more, but what am I going to do with all these car seat covers and nursing covers and pillowcase dresses? not going to do much with them. So why not sell them? I remember looking into the like markets everywhere. Like, where can I sell these things? Oh, the markets. Oh, that's where people would do it. The craft shows. So I remember my first market was it, I think it was Bijou market. That was forever ago. And I remember hauling my crap there and just, we're going to sell all these things. Like, it's just one of those things. I just love it. I just loved making it and helping other people. Well, and it's really fascinating to see, like you said, like taking something that was just an interest for you and then being able to take it to the next level and say, okay, I like this. Now let me go and do it. And really it was with zero, zero business background, zero sewing yeah. experience. Mm -mm. So it really did just start from, like you said, that spark of, yeah. of, I, th I think I can do this. And you said something that was really interesting, which is like, just that, like, I, I know I can do this. So have you always had that type of confidence around doing things that maybe you've never done before? Yeah, I think so. I really like figuring things out. I love the the problem solving of things, especially in what I do right now. Like no cushion is the same. No slip cover is the same. So you have to problem solve all the time. I mean, I get cushion shapes that come in <laughs> that look like somebody ran over like a Rubik's cube and it's got to fit in all these places, like just the nooks and crannies. 
and you just have to problem solve. And sometimes they fit really well. And sometimes you have to jackass it along the way. But well, well, and you just did a parade of homes. That was like amazing that, uh, it was it, uh, space, oh, yeah. a space theme kids area. It was Alice in Wonderland. Oh, okay. And yes. we, call, we called it the rabbit hole. <laughs> so it was basically this huge oval porthole in the kids room and they wanted the whole entire oval upholstered and like it, seriously, I texted everybody, like the smartest people I knew because I had to figure out how to make this cushion bend, but not pucker. Cause if you bend foam, everything puckers. And so we ended up going a different route because I mean, my brain exploded trying to figure this out. And at the end of the day, the way that it turned out, we loved it. It turned out gorgeous. I mean, yeah. we're going to probably link a picture of it because it was yeah. so amazing, but to be able to watch when I saw that picture of it, I was like, wow, Katie had to figure that all out yeah. and it turned out so gorgeous. So it's fun though. I mean, through the years watching the projects that you've had, I have to tell this story because it's so funny. <laughs> so, and I'm kind of, I want to kind of go back in a minute and talk about like how you transitioned yeah. into slip covers and pillows. But I remember when you were first figuring out how to do slip covers, you and I would drive around and look for just furniture that was on the side of the road, <laughs> right? And we would go to like the kind of the secondhand stores and see if there were any deals and things. But I remember one particular time that we had gone up to a college town and we had picked up a couch and we took the cushions off and there was like white dust. <laughs> Oh yeah. And it was just so funny because it wasn't like that was like an end all be all of like, uh, this is super <laughs> sketchy. Like we're not going to use it. You were like, everything cleans up. Like we can vacuum everything. <laughs> everything. And vacuums. then you ended up like making this amazing, gorgeous custom slip cover for the couch. That was phenomenal. But it, I loved watching that process of like, you were all in with like, yeah, I'm just going to figure this out. And Here's a couch yeah. that I can slip cover. So, so let's talk about how you did transition from doing kind of baby gear, you know, yeah. um, into now pillows, slip covers. Yeah. So, um, when I was pregnant again with my youngest trying to make all this stuff, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So that was 14 years ago. And so she had signed up through her work for like an additional cancer policy that just was an extra. And she got it because she thought she'd need it for my dad. She's like, your dad for sure is going to have cancer. And this will just, you know, if he ever gets it, it's just a supplemental insurance. Well, she ended up getting breast cancer. And with this insurance, she got pity money every time. That's what she called it. Every time she had chemo or radiation, they paid her like 1500 bucks. And so she used that money to slip cover all of her furniture. She like refreshed all of her furniture in her house. And I, that was like the farthest thing from my mind. I remember going into her house and seeing her couch transformed and it blew my mind. I did not know slip covers were a thing. Cause when you think of a slip cover, what is your typical thought? Oh, I just bought one off of Amazon because my, we got a new puppy and I couldn't, you know, yeah. bring all my stuff to have you done. So it was like box set, like yeah, just a like big a piece. Yeah. It's a sheet. Essentially it's a sheet. And then you just tuck it in yeah. and it looks terrible. I yeah, mean, it, it looks just, awful. It's just, you know, the ones that had the little bows on the front, it's, you know, they're not custom fitted, right? But that's what most people think of when they think of slip covers. So when I saw hers and it was tailored and it looked upholstered, like I was like, I need to know more about this. Like I remember looking up underneath the skirt of the couch, like what is going on under here? And it was her original couch. It was a black couch that was now white with a ruffle skirt and it was darling. And I remember thinking, oh my word, I, I want, I, I want one. I, I need this in my life. 
So she gave me the name and the number of the lady that did it. And I gave her a call because I had this huge sectional from RC Willie. We all know the one. It's super comfortable, but it is so hideous. And the pillows that come with those couches, I mean, they're even worse, <laughs> but so comfortable. And with, you know, with kids, they, they get dirty. And so I'm like, you know what? I want to have her slip cover my huge sectional. And it was not symmetrical. It had a chase lounge on it. It was like an L shape. It was almost a U shape. And so I got a bid from her and I, I died. I think it was like, at the time it was like a thousand dollars maybe. And that was just labor plus fabric. And I couldn't afford it at the time. So I'm like, you know what? I can sew a straight line. I can figure this out. And so I did. And it took me six weeks, six weeks of sewing and cutting and scratching it and starting over. But I remember I picked, I mean, you have to remember this was what in the early 2000s, like mid 2000s. How far? I think so. Yeah. So far away. <laughs> it was brown. And I picked this Florida Lee pattern in blue. So it was like, like the slip cover that I made, it was blue and white and brown. And it was so cool at the time. Now I'm just like, oh my word, what was I thinking? But, but it was such a transformation because I remember coming over to your house when you had actually like installed it, put the custom slip cover on. And I yeah. remember thinking like, oh wow, like this is phenomenal. It's a brand new couch. It's a brand new couch. Yeah. It took me six weeks of just, I mean, math, like crazy, like just trying to figure everything out because nothing was symmetrical. So I mean, I really, I had to pin things. I had to flip things. It was a lot of thinking and a lot of like trying to plan stuff out and cutting. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured it out and I loved it. I loved the process of it. I loved just, I don't know, turning something into something better and the cushions were washable. So it was like, have at it kids, do your worst because you can't do anything to this, you know? And it was removable. It was awesome. And I remember when we finally moved from that house, I think one of our friends ended up buying that couch because she loved it so much. And then I, since then, had just slip covered it again for her. <laughs> well, and I love what you've been saying all along the way, which is like your thoughts are like in your belief about yourself is like, I can figure this out. Um, you know, like, and being willing to like, this wasn't a seamless process where it all worked out no. and it never is. It's always that thought and belief about yourself that you'll figure it out, but then being able to fail unpick, which if anybody sews, we all know that it's the worst. You might as well just start over. Well, and sometimes that's even what you're doing yeah. is you're actually sometimes having to scratch. I remember some of the bigger projects you were like, I had to like basically eat my business had to eat that fabric because oh, yeah. I messed up and I needed to get more because I cut it wrong or, yep. you know, uh, it went the wrong direction and it's directional fabric. And so along the way, I think just having that belief about yourself, like oh, I will figure this out has been really essential for oh, building totally your business. Is. You have to be able to adapt and change on the fly all the time. And it's funny because I didn't think about it until just now when I was talking about the fabrics for the couch. I remember along with sewing, but I remember watching a show on HGTV when my kids were little. Um, it's called Sarah's house and she's a Canadian designer and her whole concept around her house is that she would show is she would find an old home that needed to be updated. And every episode was a room reveal. So you would take it from the time they bought the house and then they would do the whole flip, but then they would just show one room at a time. So every episode was a room and she always built every design around the fabric choices that were going in this house. And I was just like a moth to a flame, like drawn to it. It was so cool. I think that's where my like excitement for te like textiles and prints and patterns and colors and all things fabric came to life. 
and seeing how she would incorporate it from pillows to upholstery to drapery. I mean, well, and that, she designed everything around. Well, and that really is, I think, one of the things that you have, a gift of yours that you have that um, sets you apart from everybody else, is your love of fabrics and textiles. And so, like you said, maybe watching that show, but where were the other pieces that maybe that came into play that you could kind of see that love of textiles coming into now your business that you're oh, building? Yeah. No, I mean, everything's different. Everybody has a different style and it's kind of fun to see different things on different applications, whether it's pillows or chairs. Um, but yeah, I think it just naturally, like the whole design eye for fabrics kind of morphs into like interior design because everything has to flow, whether it's your home, a client's home. And I don't claim to be a designer by any means, but it is kind of part of the job because I get mood boards sent to me all the time saying, hey, I need pillow packages for these five rooms. Here's the boards, figure it out. And, you know, because designers don't have time, not necessarily all, but some designers, especially ones that are out of state, don't have time to come in and pick fabric. So they're trusting my eye and my ability to pull things together. And sometimes they question me until I'm like, just I promise you, this is the pillow that you need. And then when they get it, it's their favorite one. Right. So it's just, I don't know. I love the different textures, the different possibilities. It's endless. It is totally endless. Well, that's probably why you work with so many designers because you do have that design eye where, like you said, maybe you're not the designer, but you do have the design eye where yeah. they can send you things and, and feel confident in what you're doing. Cause I know that that is a big part of your business now, you yeah. know, um, is that you're working with designers mm -hmm. and doing, like you said, pillow packages, custom benches, uh, bench cushions, those types of things for yeah. designers. Yeah, well, early on, like I didn't do many pillows or cushions at all. Like after I got that sectional, oh, she was a big, she was a big lady, but we got her all done. <laughs> <laughs> but once I finished that one, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do this again. So that's when we started, you know, cruising up and down the street, trying to find those free right. furniture and free furniture DI to figure and everything. out. Well, and, and the cool thing was, is that you would do it, but then you'd go and sell it yeah, on, flip it. you'd flip it. And yeah. so I think that that's something that to always remember is that as you're doing your craft, it's okay to be figuring it out and making money at the same time, yeah. because maybe you're not going to be charging the most crazy amount, or maybe you're not going to be getting the very high end fabric no. for that project, but there is somebody else out there that's going to look at it and be like, wow, uh, that's amazing. And I want it. Oh yeah. I remember the first chair that I ever sold to somebody else was a little green. I think it was almost like teal. It was a wingback chair, but I remember the shape of the chair was super cute because I didn't care what it looked like. I just, the bones needed to be good and the silhouette had to be good. And I just remember, I think it was the same fabric that I used on my couch. I used on that chair and it sold. And I still remember like saying like $150 for this chair. Like, oh my gosh, that is that too expensive? Like in the beginning it was like, I will do it for free. I just want to keep doing it. So I remember in the beginning, it's like, okay, people, people are liking what I put out. So I probably need to start like charging a little more for it because it does take time. And you know, at the beginning, I mean, a chair would probably take me call like two or three days to make. And now it's like, I can do it with my eyes closed. But yeah, for the first, I would say, what, eight years, it was all slip covers. That's all I did is once I started flipping stuff on KSL, I would get people. So it was like a, like the garage sale sites, you know, right. But people would start saying, Hey, I don't want this chair, but I have a chair. Like I have a piece of furniture that was my, my grandma's, grandmother's. Yeah. Like, my I grandma's it, chair. It's hideous and it needs yes. to be updated. And so 
I mean, I would just take everything that came my way. Like I didn't care. I mean, I remember getting like the Queen Anne style upholstered couches with the tufting in the backs. I had no clue what I was doing, but I'm like, sure, I, I can do it. It can't be that hard to figure out. And I would reupholster them like, oh my gosh, like I had no training whatsoever, but I figured it out. It took forever, but the clients were always happy as far as I knew. But yeah, I just, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I took on projects that I probably shouldn't have at the time just because. Well, and then how does that work with, because you know, you're building this business and you have two little kids. Yeah. So how are you incorporating being a mom and doing this work all together and like raising, you know, family yeah, and husband was. and all of that. So how, cause I know a lot of people, that was one of the questions I asked on Instagram, like told everybody you were coming. And that was one of the questions we got was like, how do you build a business while supporting and building a family? Uh, nap time. When they're younger, it was nap time. My husband owns a landscape company. And in the summertime, I mean, you're basically a single mom. They're gone from sun up to sundown and our kids were little. And I remember it was nap time. It was late nights, you know, because the one thing he did tell me that always stuck is like, listen, I'm, I support you 100%, but your job first and foremost is a mom and a wife to our family. And if this gets in the way, then it needs to, it needs to stop because this is what our focus was. I mean, our kids were tiny. I mean, infant, two and a half years old. Right. So it was nap time, but we had an unfinished basement. So I, that's where I would work. And the kids, we made like a playroom down there and they would hang out with me. And when they were a little bit older, but yeah, finding balance. If people tell you they have balance in their life between work and home, they're bold faced liars. You can't trust them. There is no such thing. I believe that too. I actually <laughs> really do no believe that, thing. that there's no really no such thing as the balance of like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look yeah. like. And I think the other thing to kind of remember is that with your business, there's been times where with both of our businesses where we've pushed really, really hard yeah. and we've set our, our family up, we've kind of set it up like, okay, we're all going to do this. And, you know, and we'll talk about Swiss days cause that's a huge yeah. part of the journey that we have to talk about, <laughs> but, but where you set up for that, but then there's also going to be times where you pull back and you're like, and I'm not taking custom orders right now. I'm not yeah. doing this. Like my business is on hold. So I think that that's the other thing with the balance is that you have to almost realize that there's going to be push times. And then there's also yep. going to be times that you pull completely back and say like, yeah, the business is closed right now. Like yeah. I do need to focus on my family. It is. And that's kind of the nice thing about, you know, running your own business is that you can kind of call the shots as far as hours and availability goes. And I remember talking to one of my designers and I love her to death and she met me in a parking lot. I met a lot of people in a lot of parking lots. Let's Such say, shady deals. Another, I, did, I, I was going to say, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. thing of how shady uh, <laughs> yeah. custom sewing rooms can be of like definitely <laughs> parking cash lot only. deals, cash only. <laughs> yeah, but she, I talked to her. I mean, this was just a few months ago. She was getting me, you know, she was dropping off um, fabrics to me for her client and She's like, sorry, I didn't answer you yesterday. So it was a Tuesday. So I talked to her. I texted her Monday and said, hey, I'll be here if you want to meet in a parking lot. And when I met her, she's like, sorry, I turned my phone off on Mondays. I don't, I ignore everybody on Mondays and I do my thing. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's awesome. Because when you become available to everybody, everybody thinks you're available all the time. All the and time. And so there's no boundary set. And so at nine o'clock at night, you have people texting you like, hey, I need this. I want that. And it's like, it's nine o'clock at night. And at first when my business was just young and booming, I would answer every call, every text I wanted to be available. But over the years I've learned, you know what? People can wait. 
and there's really no sewing emergencies. Yeah. 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 Well, and I do think that, like you said, like over time, the more that we see business coming in, the more that those boundaries are in place. And then I do think that, you know, when we do see other women or other entrepreneurs doing that, it really is. It makes me almost like respect them more for having those things in place. Like, oh, I don't answer my phones on Mondays. I'm like, amazing. I'm so excited for that. And you're so mad at yourself. You're like, why haven't I been doing this? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Now let's talk about Swiss days because you start doing, you know, custom slip covers. You're yes. doing that. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then you start to create pillows now. Well, the, that didn't come till after the first Swiss days. If okay. you remember. So I remember going up to Swiss days. So let's talk about Swiss days first, because there's okay. a lot of people from everywhere. So oh, what is right. Swiss days? Oh. Swiss days is a glorious nightmare. <laughs> is that how you can describe it? I think it? that that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> so it's set up in Midway, Utah. It's a cute little I don't even, can you call it a mountain town? I, I mean, would call it like a mountain town, maybe. This, yeah, it's just like right at the base of our of a mountain. And so. Yeah, at Temp. And so, it, I mean, it's like a recreation location. And there's a couple of golf courses. You've got just hiking, biking, fishing, lakes, everything. It's the cutest little town. And it was settled by the Swiss, apparently. Swiss Rumor days. has it. Rumor has it. <laughs> And every summer over, it's usually typically over Labor Day weekend, like the third with the Friday, Saturday before Labor Day, it's basically a ginormous craft fair. Yes. And I mean, it's not like, oh, it's a cute little craft fair. Like people come from far and wide. The vendors, they make a living out of coming to Swiss days and hitting maybe a few more throughout the country. But this is a big deal. And like 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 Katie said, people come up, it's a tradition. They come with their moms, their their sisters. It's like a girl's weekend type of a thing. And so there are thousands and thousands of people. They get over 100,000 people through. 100,000 people for a craft fair or like that type of a fair. So I remember going up with my mom. I had no idea what Swiss Days was. I went up with my mom and my sister in law at the time and somebody else because that's what they always did. And we were walking through the booths and everything has to be handmade when you're inside the square. So Swiss days is in the middle of town in the park. If you're in the square of Swiss days, everything has to be handmade, but there's also businesses that surround the park and that they can have will, product and services yeah, they, and things like that. They actually yeah. rent booth space in front of their properties, but right. because you're not technically in Swiss days, you don't have to follow all the rules. You just have to pay your fees. You've got your booth. You can sell whatever you want as long as they approve it. And so I remember applying that first year because I went and I was like, what is this place? Like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm like, I can totally do this. Oh, it was because there was a, a lady there that had a booth and she had upholstered pieces of furniture and they were crazy wacky colors, even for myself. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I was asking her, like, are you selling these? Like, is this your booth? It was just like a couple of pieces of furniture, like maybe four pieces of furniture. And it's a two day craft fair. And she's like, yeah, but... People already bought them, so I'm pretty much done. I'm just sitting here for the next whatever, because I think it was a Saturday, and I'm like, people paid money for that? She's like, oh, yeah, they have to come pick it up. So my wheels were spinning. I'm like, okay, if I can, if she can sell that stuff, oh, my stuff for sure is going to sell. I'll slip cover the crap out of this furniture, and well, I mean, done deal, right? So I was able to, I didn't get into Swiss Days the next year, but I did get in across the street at the bakery. And so we had our booth all set up the next year. We go up and I had made, I think I made two couches. We had the double decker pallet. We had two pallets and they were extra long. So we set them up on top of each other. So it was like a, like a bunk bed almost. So we had a couch on the bottom, a couch couch on on the the top, top, a couple of chairs. And I think I made like 
maybe five or six pillows just to throw on the couches. And I'm like, oh, I've got this one in the bag. That lady sold through that. These are going to be gone in a heartbeat. And I remember sitting up there and I handed out a gazillion cards and I did not sell one thing. I did not sell one thing that first year at Swiss Days. Actually, I think I sold maybe one chair because it was easy to carry. Mm-hmm. Didn't think that through. Like Swiss Days was a grab and go type of place. Yes. Like, yes. But I remember thinking like most, I don't, some people would look at that as a failure. But for me, I was like, okay, I came, I saw what the people want. We're going to shift completely. Slip covers are kind of a hard sell because it's a, it's a piece of furniture basically. Mm-hmm. And you have husbands with you that don't want you to spend any money. Well, so, and to try and try and think through like how, where how does this fit? How does it, yes. We've all of those things. Like it was just one of yeah. those things that was like, okay, I learned right then and there, like furniture is not what I need to be selling up here. But I love that you, like you said, like you took it, some people might've taken it as a failure, but you took it as a learning opportunity because yeah. that's exactly what we do is oh, yeah. when we have that, so many people would have just quit yeah. and been like, that was terrible. I, you know, lost money or whatever, but you went home, you sold the furniture. Yeah. We sold the furniture. We ended up putting it at Thanksgiving point. Cause that's where my mom worked and she's like, let's throw it on the floor. And I ended up selling it all later, which was great. Great. But, but then you pivoted and you were like, here's yeah. what we need to learn from this. And so then you were like, it's grab and go. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, pillow packages. Yeah. It's figuring out now what's the system where people are here watching people's buying patterns while you were up there. Oh yeah. And oh, then and coming back and being like, okay, I've got yeah. a year. Well, and it wasn't like a total bus. Like people would come in the booth and they're like, what are you selling? I'm like, oh, sl- these are slip cover furniture. And people were like, their minds were blown that it was slip covered because they're so custom fitted that, I mean, I went through so many cards because people like, oh my gosh, I have a couch. I have this, I have that. So because of that, I pulled a ton of business mm-hmm. that following year. year, which was great. So the next year I'm like, okay, I noticed there were pillows a bit Swiss days, but they were hideous. Like they just, you know, Wor- they the weren't worst. I'm like, no, we can elevate the style a little bit. Right. So I spent the spring gathering fabrics for, I mean, it felt like forever. And then I did do a couple of slip covers. I ended up bringing up a pair of chairs mm-hmm. that I had slip covered. So I'm like, I, those are little, they have to be mobile. And then we'll just do pillows. And then that first, that year after it was. And let's just over. kind of like give a context. How many pillows are you bringing up to a Swiss days? <laughs> the first year, <laughs> the first year, I think we did like 150 Brought 150 pillows. We were stuffing them on site. I don't know if you remember that. I, yeah, Carrie I remember. Me. She was my pillow slinger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Partner in crime. Uh, but yeah, so I had Carrie and my mom and me, and we would stay up there and sell pillows all day. And people were like loving it. Like, we well, and one location. of the things that, yeah, that Katie does really well is she, when you were selling, it's not just, do you want this pillow and let me get your credit card? Katie's really amazing at being able to say like, hey, this pillow has a friend. Yeah, they all have friends. <laughs> and then and then one of the things that people would actually come back year and year after year is actually for your design eye. Yeah. And so people would save up money, um, put it on their checklist. They would hit the booth first and then oh, they yeah. would have Katie pillow packages for them. And they'd say, oh, I need this for my bed, my couch, you know. I had ladies bring in paint swatches, fabric samples, bedding. I had ladies coming. I mean, it was usually like two weeks before Swiss days, I would get hit with, hey, 
can you give us a sneak peek? I just need to know what I what? need to like, cause yes. it doesn't open till eight, but like people oh, start showing up at seven o'clock, seven o'clock people would be there. Okay. Yeah. So 150 pillows, the first, the last time you did like, what was the, so I did it for five years. Mm-hmm. So the first year was not a bust. It was a learning second year. It was like 150 third year. I think we did 350. Mm-hmm. Is it 350? We might have done 400 the fourth year. And then the last year, I think we had like 550 pillows. It yeah. got to the point where we had to bring a box truck with us. We did. We had, we had to like. <laughs> it was our back room. People <laughs> loved shopping out of the back and of that, our that is, truck. I was going to say, but that was the other thing that you did so well is you would tell people that were interested, like, hey, if you don't see something here, Carrie will take you to the back and show you like the back stock, oh, the yeah. back room. And so I do think that that's something about always being willing to go the extra mile and adjust and adapt quickly to what yeah. is happening in the in the space. So 500 pillows and in then COVID days. happens. Yeah, COVID happens. And so Swiss Days doesn't happen that year. Yeah, There's no Swiss canceled. Days. And honestly, because I was talking to Carrie that the last year that I did it, I'm like, oh man, I love this so much. It's so fun because I would have repeat customers come, you know, and you become friends with these people and you love them and they adore you and you adore them. And they just, and it's such an experience. It's I mean, so fun. Labor day still comes up and I still text you like, I know. Hey, cause we would spend, I mean, we spent like four oh or gosh, five. Cause we're not Labor talking about together. pillow covers. Like we're talking about stuffed pillows with down inserts. So yeah. imagine stuffing 550 pillows, bagging them, bringing them. I mean, it was, it was a lot. I mean, it took my whole spring and summer. And I just, I finally got to the point where I'm like, listen, I think we've had a good run at it. I mean, every year we get told we had the best booth. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's like the highest compliment you can get. At Swiss right? Days, yeah, days. Like absolutely. It was like amazing. And we offered a, a hold your, hold your stuff service because yes. we had room behind us that people would shop. They'd buy two grand worth of pillows and they're like, Hey, let us hold your things for you. So you can go shop because that's what people, that was their biggest hang up was I don't want to have to carry this around all day. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, leave it here. Come get us. And when you're ready to leave. So awesome. So how do you, when you know that it's time to adjust your business in a big way, I mean, you know, that was 500 pillows, uh, a huge chunk of business. How do you have the courage and the bravery to then adjust your business completely and go all in again a different way? Yeah, it was, it was hard because you want to give the people what they want, right? You want it's like you want to be able to provide a service that your, your clients, the people that are giving you money, you want to be able to cater to them. But at some point I'm just like, listen, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time for these two days in the summertime. Uh, but it's away from my family. But over the years, because of Swiss days, I was able to pull clients that would come see me after Swiss days and do things for them. And You know, once I was introduced to a few designers, I think it was enough that I was like, you know what? I am so busy as it is that taking the time away from that to do this, it's, it's not, it's not an opportunity cost that I need right now. Like it was a wash almost. Well, and it just goes back to like going all in on you. And so kind of like trusting that your gut and what your gut is telling you and that intuition is telling you is going to lead to success another way. Right. 
And yeah. I've watched you do that with even like spaces that you've been working in, right? Like mm. you've worked, <laughs> you've worked the Valley Again, girlfriend, <laughs> but that is one of the other things is like finding spaces to like do your craft. You've, yeah. you've built a custom home once around your workroom. You also have worked in warehouses, storefronts, garages, garages sweat boxes, where I always call it the sweat box. Yeah, like where are you supposed to work, right? At this point, because a, a bedroom isn't going to cut it. You don't want to be taking furniture up and downstairs. I I have done that. It is not fun. And my sewing machines weigh about a thousand pounds, so it became. Let's see. I'm trying to think. In Orm, it was in the basement, and then oh, and then remember we moved to St. George for like 20 minutes. Yeah, that was, we were in I, St. George. was the worst. That Katie moved garage. away from me, and it was awful. So <laughs> we were there for a hot minute, literally. <laughs> Um, I worked in the third car garage at night because it was so blasted hot. And then you had the storefront in Orem for a then, while. Oh, yeah. My dad's a property manager and he mm-hmm. had a vacant space at one of his properties. And so I was a squatter for a couple of years. For what? It was almost two years. Yeah, almost two years. So. It was awesome because I had space. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I jumped to another property of his closer to home in Springville. Do you remember that one? Yep. It was a weird old building. Mm-hmm. And then... When we moved to Mapleton, oh, I worked in the garage and it was an old house with a wood garage door that was west facing. So in the summer, get, that really was, was the so sweat box. Hot. And it in was the wintertime, so it was like, my fingers are numb. I can't, I, I can't, can't push the fabric through. Mm-hmm. And then we built a house in our backyard and we did a big detached garage and the whole lower level was air conditioned and heated. And it was, it was perfect for what I needed. Yeah. But then I got busier and busier, and all of a sudden that oversized two-car garage was not big enough. It wasn't big enough, right? So when we sold that house, I had to get a warehouse. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm working now. I think it's like fifteen hundred square feet. And even then, I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, please tell me this is I I've got to make this work. Like I don't want a bigger workshop like this. But you have a twelve foot cutting table, so it's got to fit in there somewhere, right? So yeah, right now we're in a warehouse. It's awesome. Uh, so how do you move through expansion? And, you know, I know that sometimes it feels like a lot and then, yeah. you know, having to decide like, okay, do we scale up? Do we stay where we're at? So how do you make those decisions? You know, it's really, it's, I think it's difficult sometimes because I think you see, like I see how much we're pumping out every month with just the work that we have. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I think we can do more, but at the same time, more money, more problems. Let's be honest. I mean, the more you need to pump out, the more help you need because I can only do so much by myself. So right now it's me and one other lady that helps me when I get overwhelmed. And then I have, oh, so there's three of us. And then one that helps with the bookkeeping. But like, I'm at this point right now where I'm like, I think I need to hire a few more people because the work isn't stopping. It's still coming. And the more exposure I'm getting. And I mean, everything comes down to quality. Like anybody can sew a pillow, anybody can sew a cushion, but the quality is what counts. And that was the one thing I learned with Swiss days is I still, after five years, will get messages right around Swiss days. Are you going to be there? I bought the first year and I still love that pillow. It's still held up. Like to me, that is the biggest compliment I could ever get. Well, it really is of of the products because I mean, people, I remember people walking by at Swiss days saying $50 for a pillow. And at first I was like, oh no, is that too much? But then I'm like, no, you can go to Target or you can go to Home Goods or TJ Maxx and go get a pillow, but it's going to last for three months. I mean, these suckers, 
They're good. They're amazing. I have. Yeah, they're good. All, all all of our pillows at our house are your pillows. Yeah. Made by you. We have custom slip covers made by you, and every single thing. I've never worried about. Yeah. The quality. The, everything is amazing. But you just brought up a really important part that I think that a lot of, especially women, struggle with, which is pricing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that because you've actually been my example of pricing <laughs> to make it work for your family and for yeah. you. So how how did you how are you able to charge? Yeah. So what you charge and feel great yeah. about it and feel confident as you've raised your prices and gone through that yeah. process. In the, in the beginning, like I said, it was like let me do it for free. I just want to do it. And then as it got more and more, you know, I'd still get people say, oh, that's expensive for that. And, and it's like, oh, is it? Should I take off $50? Like, would that make it better? But then you start, I think once you start getting enough work to keep you busy, like, you're like, okay, people are liking what I'm doing. Like, I've got something here. And then it's like, okay, I'm too busy. It's time to raise my prices. Like, clearly everyone can afford what I'm doing. So it's time to bump it up because I can't keep up with it. And then you'll kind of weed out the ones that, Usually the ones that are picky over pricing are the ones that are going to give you the hardest time. They'll, they'll always complain about something. And as I've gone through it, it's, it's got to be worth your time. You get to a point where it's like, if I'm taking time away from my family to do this, it has to be worth the time. And so, yeah, every, every year you kind of have to analyze how much work you have. And it's like, things are good right now. Everything's good. But like with COVID and pricing going crazy, you have to adjust prices because you can't be making things for free. Well, and that's what exactly what happened with COVID. Yeah. And then there's all the supply chain issues yeah, that happened. Supply chain issues with fabrics, with mills shutting down. Like there's four mills that service the entire country. And so it's like, once they shut down, it was like, oh, it's going to be impossible to get fabric, which it actually wasn't too bad. There were a few, there were a few brands where I'm like, are you kidding me? 56 weeks on a back order, pull it off your website. Like don't even give it, make, don't make it available. 56 weeks, that's over a year. But then, you know, things got better, but then the foam crisis happened where you couldn't get products for foam to make foam. And so, I mean, a lot of my clients are awesome. I've been really, really lucky in that my clients love and appreciate the products that we make. So I really don't get people that will squabble on price and they understand what they're getting. And I've had people say, oh my goodness, that's way too expensive. But then they always come back a year later and say, okay, I'm ready now, I'm ready now. And at the beginning I would be like, oh my gosh, let me help you. But now it's like, no, I, I know what I have. I know what my product is. And if you want it, you want it. So, and, it, and it's like me, like if there's something I want and I can't afford it, I am not about to go haggle with somebody because I know how hard it is to make things. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to save my money and when I'm ready, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk about being a business owner now, because like we just mentioned that whole story, it's mm -hmm. like building a business from scratch, yeah. going and buying a sewing machine from Target and now having, you know, all of this amazing industrial machines, yeah. thousands of dollars worth of equipment, um, building a business. When you think about being a business owner, how does that feel for you? And like, what are your thoughts about now owning a very, very successful luxury yeah. brand that it, you do now? It's just funny. I have to, I have to giggle when you say luxury brand <laughs> because you know, I had to throw that the in name, there because I knew it was going to throw you off. Well, the name of my company is the sewing nerd, which right. is so funny because it's, it was a nickname my husband gave me when I was down in the basement, just slaving away on all my stuff. And it stuck, but it's so funny because anytime I introduce that to anybody, like a new vendor, a client, 
they love it because it makes them laugh. And then I'm like, I bet you won't forget. And they're like, no, how could you forget that? Right. And so like, I'll, not that I'm famous by any means because I'm not, but every now and then I'll run into something like, oh my gosh, you're the sewing nerd girl. I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but I love it. But I think owning a business, like it wasn't something that I started out wanting to do. It was almost like I had to figure out something to do with this fabric addiction that I had and this need to create something. And so it kind of just morphed slowly into that. And I remember... Uh, when was it? It was probably four years ago. I kind of figured out, I'm like, oh my goodness, people will pay for pillows and cushions. Why am I not doing that? Like slip covers take a lot of work. It's a lot more labor intensive where cushions and pillows for me, I can knock them out really fast. So I was able to find a foam supplier that, you know, I work really well with and he takes care of me. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, this is what we're doing. So now it's kind of shifted more into putting pillow packages together for clients and I'll do slip covers here and there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's just crazy to think that where I started and where I am, like that was never my intention. It was to create a business ever, but it kind of got to the point where like, Oh dang, like I'm kind of making a little too much money doing this. I probably need to turn it into something. And I remember I traded a slip cover job for setting up an LLC or the, the wife was like, would you trade this for an LLC? And I'm like, sure, why not? And yeah, after that, I was like, okay, like we're really doing this. Really gonna Got do my this. business cards made and took them to all the fabric shops, you know? But along the way, I've made some really good contacts and there's some awesome people in the industry that, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's great. So where do you want your business to be in a couple of years from now? Oh my goodness, I would love to have more people to help me because it's just, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of work and time, but the crappy thing about that is I, I know how fast I can work. So bringing people in and having them do what I do is really hard for me to let go. Cause I still love the doing part, but I've also realized that if I want to scale my company that I need to step back from the doing mm -hmm. and bring people in that can help me do that and allow me to get the more, you know, go right. work with the clients. Cause I meet with a lot of designers on site, do some measuring, you know, but bringing those clients in, I need to be able to have the manpower to pump all the stuff out because they're not stopping. People right now just love spending money. They just love it. And I'm here to help them with that problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and when you talk about, you know, getting more help on, it's it's like once again looking at the vision of the of the business and, yeah. and realizing like you really do create the success that you're going to have based on how you're thinking about the business. Yeah. So I know a lot of people right now are like almost scaling back or are afraid to build businesses or, or scale their business because yeah. they're wanting everybody else to tell them what's going to be happening with the, with, you know, no. the economy and things like that. And I know from both your husband and you are both entrepreneurs yeah. and that's such a great example of like, no, there's absolutely people out there. Yeah, there are. Here's the thing is, I mean, I've been lucky to work with some really awesome designers. Like I love my design clients because they, I mean, they bring me the stuff. Like I don't have to pick fabric for them for most part, they'll provide everything and I'm just putting it together. I will help them occasionally with fabrics. And then I have my clients that come in and we'll put stuff together. But, you know, when you've hit that tier of clientele, I mean, it doesn't matter what the economy is doing. They've got the money, they're going to spend it. But I will say the nice thing about our business is that when things do get slow, people stop, when people stop buying furniture and pillows, now they want to recover what they have. Yes. So I still have that in my back pocket where I can start 
if once people are done spending on all this stuff, let's recover what you have. And that's a great thing to remember about businesses yeah. is that if you're willing to adjust and adapt around what's happening yeah. and always be looking at what your business is and then how to adjust it, then you're always going to succeed in business. Yeah. You have to be able, it's, I mean, it's like walking on Legos, right? Like you have to just, you have to, you have to just be able to adapt and pivot. Like you said, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, you know, who knows? I mean, the last two years, like who could have called that? Right. But now you look at it and you're like, oh, don't surprise me. Like it just, it is what it is. So I think as long as you can trust in what you can do and trust your gut, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I mean, my husband's like, I think we need to make custom furniture. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, please don't make me do that. And he's like, no, he's like, cause people can't get furniture. Like in the beginning of COVID, it was, I mean, it was 12, 18, two, two years almost. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's like, well, we have a guy that can bring it faster. And, you know, I'm like, I know we can do that, but I'm like, I don't think I can take on one more thing. So we did do a couple of custom pieces and I like having that, knowing that I can implement that when needed. But I don't know, I've learned that you stay in your lane, you've got your things that you do and you do them really well. But don't try to be a jack of all trades because in the beginning when I was trying to do the slip covering and the upholstery and saying yes to everything, your quality goes downhill. So once I was able to be like, you know, we're doing cushions, pillows and slip covers and that is it. And I, that's when you just excel, but I've learned it's okay to say no. And it's okay to say no to projects that could be awesome, but you know, you have to look at your opportunity costs yeah. and if it's not worth your time, it's going to take away from everything else. So that's the biggest lesson I've learned is it's okay to just be like a three trick pony instead of a seven trick pony. Who needs those type of ponies anyways? Huh. <laughs> They're too much. <laughs> so just kind of in closing here, um, there's so many entrepreneurs and, and new business owners that listen to this podcast. So what would be something, a piece of advice that you would share to the newest person that's just starting out? Don't be afraid for sure. I can't tell you how many people I've reached out to, even on social media, like there's some pillow shops I follow, some designers that I love. I mean, that's honestly how I pulled a lot of designers is I would just, I would see a post come up and I would hit them up. Hey, I have a custom workroom in Utah County. I would love to help you out with your things. And every time I saw a new designer that I didn't recognize, I would do that. And it's turned into some awesome friendships and awesome business relationships. But when you see other women out there doing things, like I just ask for help, ask questions. Like there was a girl that I mean, I think she lives in Wisconsin at the time. And I'm like, hey, I love that you have this sewing room. Tell me more about it, you know? And I'm the same way. If anybody reaches out to me, I am happy to help because it's hard. And when you didn't have that formal education, like any help, help, you know, anything you can get helps. But you can't be afraid to ask questions and reach out to people. Well, and, you know, right before we started this, we were talking about our group of friends and every single person in our group of friends is a woman entrepreneur. Yeah. And it is awesome to be able to have people like I can call you and say, I'm stuck here or I'm scared to do this. And, yeah. and to have this group of women that we can all in all very different industries, yeah. but all doing something where we're building businesses and raising families. And so that's always been really helpful to have a connected group of women where, you know, even sometimes I'll tell you like, I'm super tired or whatever. And you'll be like, just go and hang out with your family. Like yeah. just put it out to the side. And so I think that that's another thing that I would share with people yeah. is, well, I think, yeah, because be willing to create that community. You have to, well, just being a mom, 
I think you have that extra mom guilt that happens because my kids now are 13 and almost 16. He takes his driver's test today. (laughs) Help us all. I mean, so it's great because I have free labor. Well, actually, I have to bribe them. I have to pay them to come help me, but it's great. I mean, it's good for them. But I think as a woman who has a business, it is 100% okay to just, you know, I'm not working today. My kids need me. My family needs me because I think we tend to take on a lot more than we should because that's just in our nature. That's how I am. I'm, I mean, if I'm sitting down, there's something wrong. I feel like I have to be going, going, going. And if I sit down, I'm done, you know, but I think it's, it's okay to be like, no, I'm not working today. I'm not taking your call today. I'm not answering your emails today. Like, I think that's, it's a double-edged sword where it's awesome because you have that freedom, but then you have to make sure you stay up on top of things. Yeah. You have to stay accountable to the business. Yeah. Yeah. You totally have to. And you know, there's, I mean, I think I told you over the summer, like, that's it. We are not working next summer. I've hit my limit. I am done. (laughs) Summer goes by way too fast. Right. But that's the beauty of it. You can do whatever the crap you want. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to an extent. (laughs) Well, this has been amazing. Um, You know, I love you so much, but it's, it's such an honor to be able to watch the growth of your business and you personally over the last several decades as we've been friends, Forever. but you're definitely <laughs> going to want to go and check Katie out. Um, she, the sewing and then mm-hmm. what are you on Instagram? The sewing nerd, the sewing nerd. You're I thought be so. so impressed with but all the things. The thing see. that's amazing. <laughs> so you definitely want to go and check out Katie's website because it is gorgeous. I mean the work and like I said, the fabric selection, really what she's known for is putting together the textiles in a way that is just amazing. And she will kind of post kind of behind the scenes about her yeah. pillow packages that are going out into these multi-million dollar homes and things. So you're hey, definitely they don't all have to be multi-million dollar homes either. They're in my house too. So it's fine. <laughs> <They're> in my, <laughs> house. my dog actually has his own pillow package, he which does. is so cute. I know he needs a new one, but, uh, it's just been so amazing to watch you really own your craft and then go out and create a business from it. So thank you for being an example of that in my own life. And I love you. Oh, I love you. But I couldn't have done it without Carrie. Like, honestly, like she's the one I go to and I'm like, uh, so what do we think about this? Or if I have questions or if I'm doubting myself, like you've been the best cheerleader and the best support that anybody could have ever asked for. I love my husband to pieces, but she's the one that's like, you've got this, you can do it because she, she knows she knows. That's why we have our, our girlfriends, right? That's right. All right. That's well, right. let's ride, my friend. <laughs> ride or die. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. If you're ready to get in the driver's seat of your own life, you can come and follow me at Drive Your Thoughts Coaching on Instagram or come and see more ways to work with me at driveyourthoughts.com. Yeah, whether ready or not, life's coming hard, no breaks, no stop. And if you put me on the spot, don't get it twisted, I never drop. If you feel a bit out of control and out the box, here's a way that you could drive your thoughts. Turn this podcast on, it's a lock. Carrie Marshall on the clock.